Coming at you from the Steel City, you're listening to Poor Man's Podcast, Pittsburgh's premier comedy podcast. Your weekly dose of humor, hosted by Chris Hopper and with a new special guest each week. And here's your host, Chris Hopper. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Poor Man's Podcast, Spaced Out, a new version of the show that we just started, where I am teaming up with James Sanders, science communicator specializing in cosmology and astrophysics, and we're going to do a little space show. I have been interested in space probably my whole life, but extra, you know, recently. I think with, you know, some, some Instagram pages and, and with things being so accessible, it, it kind of, I'm more exposed to it. And it's so, so fascinating to me. Um, James was absolutely incredible. Normally when I record a show, when I'm done, I'm like, that was horseshit. That was the worst thing I've ever said. Why am I even alive? And this one, I was like giddy when I was done. I was ready to keep talking. I actually had, we, we had to kind of stop recording because I could have kept going for another couple hours, but I was worried about, you know, the attention span of everybody listening. We can't, you know, have a four hour episode. So we cut it right around, a, right around an hour. But James was absolutely awesome. We did our first episode on black holes which is a, such a such an absolutely fascinating topic. I asked him questions the whole time. And and I guess let me give you a little bit of background of what I'm trying to do with this or what we're trying to do with this because James and I are very much on the same page with what we would like to get out of this podcast and that is kind of bringing science to a more um I guess an easier way to digest it. I'm not afraid to ask the stupid question and if you ask him there are no stupid questions. Um, especially when it comes to this, I think a lot of people get intimidated maybe when they hear science or uh, black holes or anything with space. They're like, oh, well, that's not what I know. I don't know anything about that. And it's kind of intimidating and overwhelming. And it's so fascinating. And people shouldn't be afraid of that. People should go in with this wonder and awe. And I think that's one of the best things in life. One of the most extraordinary feelings that I will feel is just the feeling of awe. And I absolutely feel that when it comes to the things in outer space. Each episode, uh, we'd kind of like to hit on a topic and go from there. I'm going to ask some questions that I think maybe everybody would like to know. And if you have any questions going forward, please uh, follow Poor Man's Podcast. Ask me or us, uh, you know, send us a message. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about, if you have any questions, um, I'll go through that and, you know, uh, convey that to James. I'm sure he'll have a very satisfying, succinct answer for us. Like I said, we, we recorded for about an hour, and this was my first interaction with James. This was the first time I met him in person, and I was extremely impressed. I think maybe a lot of us, um, I know myself, haven't always had the greatest science teachers in our life, and maybe we, we aren't as interested in it. And I think a lot of people can have some interest in this because it's so fascinating. It's the world we live in. And I think, and I, I say this during the interview, I don't want to rehash everything because I really want everybody to listen to it, but I'm excited about it. It's so cool because this is the world we live in. We're part of it. It almost seems like when you read about space or watch movies with space, it becomes a fictional character. Like it's one out there. We live in this. It's so incredible. We learn new things every single day. 
Uh, probably will never know everything. We don't know. But every day we learn a little bit something new, and it's so absolutely fascinating. Plus, uh, James makes it so easy to digest, and we're not being quizzed on it, and I think that makes it a little bit easier. You can listen to it passively, and, you you know, with, with science teachers, you're not worried about being quizzed at the end of the year. Well, you pass or fail. You listen to this for enjoyment. Um, it's so easy to listen to, and I'm, I'm very pleased with it. I can't wait to do more. Um, before we get on that, like I said, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram. You can follow us on TikTok. Uh, we have the regular Poor Man's Podcast that comes out every single week. Uh, think like a morning show, kind of like that, except way better. Um, we have the Poor Man's Podcast Sports Extra with Sports Guy JP, where he's an excellent better. Um, you can do that. Uh, that'll come out every single week. And then we have the Poor Man's Podcast one-on-one. Now, this is kind of a version of Poor Man's Podcast one-on-one where I sit down with a, a, a different guest every time. But this is going to be a recurring one. Um, at least I hope so. So definitely keep following us for that. And follow Poor Man's Podcast for my stand updates. Um, I have one this Saturday, so definitely follow that. Although by the time you listen to this, I'm sure it'll be passed. And I'm, I killed it as always. So thank you so much. Uh, and without further ado, here I am with science communicator James Sanders. Hey, I'm Rick Seaback, and you're listening to Poor Man's Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Poor Man's Podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and joining me today in a special Poor Man's Podcast one-on-one, a science edition, we're going to talk about black holes with science communicator, James Sanders. James, how are you tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on, man. Thank you so much. Now, I've been wanting to talk about science for a long time, and I have different guests come on, and they might like to talk about it with me, but it's like talking to your buddy who kind of has, you know, conspiracy theories and the man on the moon and certain things, and I would rather just talk to somebody who actually knows something who's not telling me, well, maybe the earth is flat kind of thing. (laughs) Like, I'd, I'd like to go with some hard science and not just, you know... Uh, random, uh, you know, uh, thoughts from other people. <laughs> and right, I, and right. I, I know the people I'm surrounded by, and maybe <laughs> I'd, I'd rather talk to you, for sure. So um, I guess let me start with the beginning for you, some background on you. How did you even get involved in um, astrophysics, astronomy, and cosmology? You said specializing, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that yeah, that's, that's my main focus right. of interest. I... Uh uh, it kind of really started when I was like younger, kind of high school age, yeah. right? There was uh, once upon a time when everyone was convinced that the world was going to end in 2020. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. at least a certain group of people thought it was going yeah, to. Yeah. Um, and uh, my father was one of those people. So as a kid, my yeah. dad being like, oh, these things, I'm like, wow, that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was, you know, just terrified of it for the longest time. But at a certain age, I was just kind of like, you know, I'm I'm afraid of these things, but I don't know anything about these yeah. things. And um, I ended up stumbling across a website that unfortunately no longer exists, obviously since 2012 has passed, um, <laughs> that was pretty much only dedicated to science outreach and talking about, like, you know, why these uh, claims held no merit, mm-hmm. right? And they had a section on there, too, where the people who ran the site – uh, were scientists themselves, and you could talk live to them if you had questions. And that was a huge relief to me yeah. at that time. And I learned, like, wow, I am actually really interested in this stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I want to do this. I want to do research, and I want to do 
science communication. Uh-huh. So I got to college. They had a planetarium, and I found my medium. Yeah. Uh, so I do often do most of my communication in planetariums. Uh-huh. Um, but we also do it on our website as uh-huh. well. Uh, what What is your website, if anybody wanted to see it? Yeah, uh, it's really simple now, flyscience.net. Okay. Um, and we did that during COVID whenever people couldn't be at planetariums. Yeah. And now we just do specific topic shows, kind of like yeah. this one would be. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, I, I'm fascinated. And I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of when it really started. I've, I guess I've always really been fascinated in space. But in the last year or so, I've been watching, um, you know, Cosmos, what, uh, uh, the the remake with Neil deGrasse Tyson. I've watched some of the, the older ones, too. Um, and then, you know, just seeing a bunch of these. I love Neil deGrasse Tyson. So that's one of the reasons I did that. I, I saw him live in October, and it was one of my favorite experiences ever. But I've, I've just, you know, go on, I go on YouTube, and I'll just go down rabbit holes. And there's really interesting things. But like I said, I don't know how factual everything is, and I'd rather just talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about. So today I thought we, I'd pick like one topic and we you know, kind of uh, delve into that. So I thought the one, one of the most interesting ones um, that I could think of right now are black holes. Um, I remember, oh, geez, was it a couple years ago that they, they got the picture? Is that yeah. the first actual picture they got of that, a black hole? That is, uh, to my knowledge, the first... Um technical imaging of a black hole you know it was uh uh it was really really fascinating um in in astronomy Uh if you want to get a better look at something you want a better resolution more light in you need a bigger aperture which is on a telescope you imagine the big end okay that's the aperture okay it's what gathers the light um in order to image a black hole which is black doesn't really produce light you need to find one that has a lot of stuff around it, uh-huh. and um, then you need a telescope big enough to be able to get any appreciable like image of, you know, they it would basically be where the light isn't coming from, right? Uh-huh. So it's around it, um, and to do that, they did made technically made a telescope the size of the Earth. So the thing about that is, is in radio astronomy, yeah. if you have a, a satellite dish which acts as a radio telescope instead of visible light, it's taking in other light we can't see. Uh, if you have one on one side of the U.S. and you have another radio telescope on the okay. other side yeah. looking at the same point, you effectively have an aperture the size of the U.S. Oh, okay. So a bunch of stations around the Earth focused in on this yes. one point and uh, just stared at it and collected data, and it resolved in the image that we see. Yeah. I, I think I remember watching something on it, and they needed, it was like the perfect time of the year, and they needed a clear sky, and yeah. they needed it to be clear for like a certain amount of hours, and they were worried, I think it was in like the desert, and even in the United States, it might have yeah. been, um, they were really iffy on it, and I guess, you know, they all got the call like, tonight's the night, yeah, they went through was, it, yeah. There was like a place, one of the places was right. like, always cloudy and rainy, yeah, yeah, and they were yeah. like, we can't do it yet, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that was fascinating, the, the, the whole thing about... Um, black holes really blows my mind and seeing that picture i think that might be what really got me in at least down the the black hole uh, rabbit hole i guess right um so i guess like i said i want this to be it's not like the the hard science um show i want it right. to be like you know if you're not familiar and you're you know 
passively interested in some of these things. I want you to be able to listen and understand some basic things. I'm by no means a genius, but I would like to ask the questions maybe everybody else has. So I would start with maybe the most basic of the questions of a black hole is what is a black hole? Uh, so, yeah, so a black <laughs> hole really, as simply as I can put it, yeah. is a dead star. Okay. Um, so they're... Stars die a couple different ways, uh, depending on how much stuff makes them up, how much mass they have. So smaller black holes, uh, I'm sorry, smaller stars about the mass of our star and less, um, they, in order to produce light and heat, they fuse hydrogen into helium. Uh So hydrogen's just one little proton, one little part of an atom, smashes together, creates a heavier atom. Uh, That releases a tremendous amount of energy, uh, and that re- why we can see the sun, why we can feel the sun's heat. Eventually, stars run out uh-huh. of hydrogen to smash into each other, and the core of the star, where it's cooking all that stuff, uh, it starts to collapse inward because this energy is pushing out uh-huh. against gravity that wants to push the star and all the stuff inward. Okay. Um, so lower mass stars, the core starts to shrink and you have all of these electrons whizzing around the place and you get them so close together that they're like, no, I don't want to be, I don't want to be near another electron. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so classic uh, electron. Yeah. Yeah. So like very similar to like taking two yeah. bar magnets, putting yeah, yeah. the same ends together, they're pushing apart. Yeah. Same thing happening. Okay. So now that is the force pushing out against gravity yeah. and you have gravity pushing it in and then the electrons pushing out and right. in and out. And so you have the core kind of bouncing Okay. and it sheds because of this, it's pushing out its outer layers, what's called the envelope of the star. You can think of it like, if you think of a peach, uh-huh. the peach pit is the core, and the rest of the flesh is the envelope. Okay. Um, and it's slowly pushing that away, uh, creating what's called a planetary nebula. Okay. Uh, if people want to see what one of those looks like, a really famous one is the ring nebula. Okay. It's this perfectly like circular nebula. Okay. And... Uh, what you're left with is what's called a white dwarf. It's just the core of the star. Once you get heavier, you get up to like eight times the mass of our sun. Uh Um, Once it runs out of fuel that it can possibly produce, it starts to collapse further. And there's so much stuff. There's so much gravity that even the electrons can't push away from each other. And what happens is the core just starts shrinking faster and faster and faster until you bundle all of these protons together. The electrons swap charges with the protons and make neutrons. And uh, then you have this dense ball of other little balls, like a ball of gumballs. Okay, yeah, I gotcha. Um, And when they smash together they can't occupy the same space, right? Like, I can't make this water bottle occupy the same space as the table. right. And But all that energy of the collapse has to go somewhere. Uh-huh. So it goes outward, and it just blows the star to smithereens. Right. And so you get, uh, that's a supernova. Uh-huh. Um, and you get, like, more chaotic nebulas, like uh, something called the Pillar of Creation is a really famous one. In fact, it was uh, probably one of the first, <clears throat> pardon me, one of the first targets of the James Webb Space Telescope, because uh-huh. it could see different things than other telescopes could. And so they were like... What does further into this look like? So then you get really massive stars. And 
all those protons that the core is collapsing, it goes further and further in, these really massive stars with all this stuff, gets to a point called the Schwarzschild radius. Okay. Now, that's just a name for reference so people yeah. can... Like look up what I'm talking right, about right. later on. I'm if I if I do this whole show right, I'm not going to have to use any mathematics or <laughs> yeah. anything for you guys. Um, but so that is the point where if you smash matter all into a small enough space, you will mm-hmm. create a black hole. Um, because a black hole is the more mass you have, the more gravity you have, mm-hmm. and if you pack it all into one space, all of that gravity is very localized. So you get. The proton star, the the core of the star, is now so small with so much mass that it just falls out of the universe. Uh And it creates the event horizon of the black hole, which is the point that once you're past that point, you're not coming back, no matter what. And that means light, that means anything. Light, you, uh, anything at all. Yeah. Nothing in the universe will be able to get out of it, not that we've known of. And so now there's now there's this event horizon that's starting to grow because it's taking in more of the star. So the, the event horizon is coming outward from inside the star, cannibalizing itself until it's it's taken in all the material, and you're left with a black hole. Uh-huh. Um, and that is that is how black holes form, and that is what they are. They are the ghost of a star, uh-huh. um, and we'll. You know, later on, as as you ask other questions, we'll understand what I mean by a ghost of a star rather than the corpse like a white dwarf or a, pro, a neutron star is. So you were, you were saying it, the event horizon, once it gets past that, there's no coming back. Is is the event horizon constantly expanding, or does it get to a set point and it stops growing? Um, as long as you don't pump more material into it, that's the set point. Um, it won't grow anymore unless you put more stuff into it. Uh-huh. Um but uh, it can shrink. Okay. Um, can can they close entirely? Yes. Uh, okay. So there was a man called Stephen Hawking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> very famous for black holes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, where's uh, this guy? That guy. Yeah. Brief <laughs> My dad time. gave that me this. Is, yeah. That's a good book. <laughs> yeah. I, really I didn't like book. start reading it, so I'm, I would like to. But I'll, I'll be honest. I I seldom can sit still and read a book long enough. I yeah. I got the audio book. <laughs> <So. laughs> that that that's the way to go. I. I try to do that, and you get so many, so much more reading. I quote, right, right, done yeah. in the car and things like that. Absolutely. You know, you go on a long ride, and you get you know a whole novel done, or you know, brief history of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he discovered something called Hawking radiation, uh-huh. and it's this idea that um, in empty space, yeah. not really as empty as you think. There's uh, there's this kind of base energy that permeates. All of space. Okay. And this energy kind of fluctuates sometimes. It's like the ripples of a lake. And sometimes these energies can pop two particles into existence, a matter, an antimatter particle, and they will just instantaneously collide again and go back into energy. So at the event horizon of a black hole, okay. if this were to happen and one of the particles end up on one side of the event horizon and the other one on the other side... This, there's no coming back, so this particle goes down in, and this particle has the opportunity to leave. Uh-huh. And so the black hole has effectively lost some energy, and Einstein says energy is equal to mass times the speed of light squared, and so it has effectively lost mass. And 
the bigger of a black hole that you have, the longer that takes, the slower that it loses mass in this way. Um, so black holes that we know today, uh, they will eventually disappear, but everything else will be dead in the universe before then. It will yeah. be some of the last things to die in the universe. Uh-huh. So they eventually will go away, but no one's going to be around to see it. So does that mean at, at some point it'll just be black holes, and will they ever try to cannibalize one another? So they can. In fact, yeah. um, so a couple of years ago as well, we detected officially observed gravitational waves, uh-huh. and we found that out because two black holes collided into each other. Now it's just one swallows up the other one. You get one of equal mass to yeah. what you've just thrown into each other. Um, and yeah, it's not impossible, especially in a universe where now you only have black holes that they might eventually drift into each other. Um, in fact, things like that happen all the time today. Uh, supermassive black holes at the center of galaxies, like the one that we image, that's the one of the black holes we imaged, um, they collide all the time. And those black holes will merge uh, consequently. Mm-hmm. Um, our Milky Way got to the size it is because galaxies slammed into each other, and in about four billion, no, I think four trillion, one of those numbers, uh, <laughs> a, a nearby galaxy, Andromeda, and the Milky Way are going to collide with each other and merge together. Still, so it's it's something that happened in the past. It's something that's going to continue in the future, and when only black holes are left, it's unlikely that they won't gravitate toward each other um now there's some other technicalities that's kind of like well they everything might be so far apart by that point that nothing's ever going to meet each other but that's uh a whole nother conversation in of itself um i i this question came up to me kind of recently because i've never put much thought into it when i hear black hole i always just picture a hole like right. just a hole in the wall or something, but every hole I see is part of something else. It's not floating. Right. So does that mean the black hole is just like a two-dimensional hole, like a Frisbee or like a CD-ROM, like s- sideways? Or is it like a sphere? Can you can it you know take in from all angles? Yes. Yeah, so you can fall in a black hole from wherever you like. It okay. is yeah. a <laughs> spherical hole. Okay. Um, we often think of space-time, the universe, as having four-dimensional gravity, right? Okay. So we, when we think about things, and there's, there's an excellent book that um, kind of uh, analogizes it in a uh, kind of anthropomorphic way, making like shapes be able to talk to each other and experience things, yeah. uh, called Flatland, that talks about one, like a certain dimension of being, experiencing what another dimension is like. And in that, uh, a sphere tells a circle... Uh, it's easy to be in the third dimension. You just go outward from in yourself. And it's like, what does that mean? Yeah. Right? So when you think of a black hole, it is a three-dimensional hole that falls inward infinitely. And it's like, what does that mean? You know? Yeah. But that's what we, that's that's our best guess as to, you know, you're just falling out of the universe in some direction that's not really conceivable yeah. to us. Uh, but it is a three-dimensional hole, and you can fall in any direction that you like. Oh, wow. So um, I guess to get maybe more into the sci-fi realm, mm-hmm. um, you always hear black holes, but then you hear wormholes. Is, 
Is that something, I mean, I, I know it's probably speculation and things, but is that something that even, like, something you could believe happening? I mean, if you don't know where a black hole goes, is it possible you go somewhere else? Is it, Or is the idea of a wormhole even plausible in any kind of capacity? So um, there are certainly people who uh, believe that theoretically a wormhole is possible. One mm-hmm. of those people, Albert Einstein, um, in fact, uh, the science name for a, a wormhole uh, is generally a, an Einstein-Rosen bridge. Okay. Um, and wormholes really, like we've, you know, there's never been any evidence of a wormhole. Yeah. Uh, whether a black hole uh, is effectively a tunnel into another dimension or universe yeah. or wherever it goes, you know, only one person's going to find out. He's never going to be able to tell <laughs> yeah. anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> so we we don't know. We only yeah. know mathematically, right? Maybe, yeah. But um, the 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 kind of uh, the the kicker is that you know a lot of things can be theoretically possible mathematically, yeah. but uh, the killer is whether you can observe and measure it, right? Um, so mathematically, is it possible? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> physically. I don't know. There's only one way to find <laughs> yeah, out, you yeah. know. But yeah. we've never seen. And then there's some people who speculate about um, a traversable wormhole, but that requires a lot of mental gymnastics and math that yeah. it's not plausible. You, you know, is it more one of those things that like people hear about time travel or wormholes and they like look for reasons to make it true to fit their kind of bias beforehand? It or, can, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to. Oh, no, no, you were good. That was pretty much the question. I was just wondering if you, if, or maybe in, in any science, do you ever see somebody maybe that has just like, they go into it without like, okay, I don't want to study this. I want to study it to see if it does what I think. And then they have a bias towards that. That is, that is yeah. a big, that is a problem in, in science with some scientists. And that's why even, even with scientists, like whenever I do my shows and stuff and, you yeah. know, people, um, it's it's very anxiety inducing for someone yeah. like me. Uh, whenever whenever I do shows, I am seen as an authority on yeah. the subject, right. and so that's a lot of pressure. Being like, I need to make sure everything I say yeah. is accurate to the best of my ability. Um, but even then, I tell people, you know, don't just take my word for it. Yeah. You know, take take what I said. Look up look up things independently as well, and uh, you know, call out my bullshit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so in in science there is there is you do have to actively fight against natural biases that yeah, humans yeah. have to be like I really want this to be it and even sometimes to your best effort you end up finding something out of bias and yeah. and really sticking to it because you're like it's plausible this way but everyone <laughs> yeah, else yeah. is like yeah but only that <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah. Um oh. so yeah no it, it is a big problem in in science and it's uh and uh, people do do that. Yeah. yeah. As yeah. I was I was talking about earlier, we do a sports show. So we, we talk about that. And it's like, well, can the Steelers really make the playoffs? Yeah, if this, 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 and this happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Well, that's very unlikely. But maybe, especially after that first game. So who, know, who knows about that? Um, so around, well, let me ask this way. As, as I'm kind of sci-fi, uh, one, one movie that I've talked about on the podcast all the time is Interstellar. And have you seen it? So, no, yeah, no, I haven't. Okay, that's fine. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, you don't have to see it to get the gist of what I'm saying. Right. So, uh, in the movie, there, there's a, a giant star or a sun or whatever. It is. I guess it's a star. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess a star, a sun is a star. Am I right about yeah. that? There yeah, we go. the sun is a star. <laughs> we just call it sun. There we you go. Know? 
That's okay, perfect. What, what people Good. in the past did. Um, it's always nice when I say something and somebody's like, yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, you're on the money there. There we go. A son is a star. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just sit by all the podcasts. Going, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> perfect. Um, but it's, I guess the, the SARS gargantuan or the, the black hole is, and it's mm-hmm. the mass of a hundred million times the sun. Yeah. So uh, in the movie, I guess the gravitational pull is so strong that it distorts time, and it says, "I guess there's there's an exoplanet or something around the the black hole." And good use, good use of the word exoplanet. Is that right? Yeah, that's very right. Yep. Oh, yep. baby, come on today. Um, oh, you threw me off now. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm patting myself on the back. I can't even see what I'm doing. Um, so it's it's um, I guess going around the black hole, and it's it it slows down time where. I guess an hour on this planet would be equivalent to seven years on Earth. So is that based in science? I would assume so. And how is that possible? So I have good news and bad news for you. (laughs) Okay. Yes, that is all in the realm of plausibility. Okay. (laughs) Um, In fact, uh, I in in doing some of the research for it because it's it's funny because everyone always asks me, oh, did you watch Interstellar? And I never did. And at this point, it's like a principle of like, you know, it's like the principle of the thing now. Oh, there's so many people um, with Game of Thrones for that. Yeah, (laughs) Like, I haven't started and I refuse to do it. But yeah, yeah, uh, on that show, they they had a physicist named Kip Thorne come on to be like is this plausible mm-hmm. and uh this prop that i brought i didn't know yeah. if it was going to be a visual aspect of it oh uh, we'll get a um, picture by the end yeah he uh he co-wrote this as well mm-hmm. it's a book called gravitation it is a 1200 page monster yeah. of just <laughs> the subject of gravity so um he he was he was an authority on this and yeah. his his swear to them was i will not help you with anything that you try to like, if you try to break laws of physics, uh-huh. I won't help you. Yeah, but as long as we're in the realm of possibility, I can I can run with it, yeah. right? So, um, so it is it is plausible. Now, um, I wanted to do some part. Pardon okay. me. Uh, I wanted to do some. Uh, you know, I, I like to kind of do the math for myself first and look at uh, what some other people have done. And the easiest thing when you're trying to figure out what's possible around a black hole, even a lot of physicists, phys- we love to generalize. Yeah. <laughs> we love to approximate everything because the math otherwise is horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for a non-spinning black hole, um, in order to get time to distort that greatly uh, for – a black hole the size of Gargantua is yeah, it? I believe that's what it says. Yes. Uh, you would have to be seventy-eight yards from the event horizon of the black hole. Oh wow! <laughs> so, in a, for a non-spinning black hole, you're not going to fit a planet there. Yeah. Um, but uh, for a rotating black hole, okay, uh, things can get a little different. You can uh, have a stable orbit closer to a rapidly rotating black hole. Um, in order for them to get the physics to work on the movie, yeah. uh, they said, okay, so technically we're <laughs> going to say that this black hole is spinning at almost the speed of light, Okay, uh, which, yeah. you know, yeah. while possible, <laughs> yeah. as long as it doesn't go the speed yeah. of light, uh, you're, you're going to be hard-pressed to find one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
in that in that event, yes. you can have a planet orbit at a distance where the time dilation is effectively that one hour on the planet orbiting that black hole would be seven years on Earth. Um, and so that's gravitational time dilation. Uh-huh. Um, and it's a very real thing in in astronomy, in yeah. physics, in the universe. And we actively have to contest with that here on Earth. Uh-huh. Uh, we have uh, global positioning systems, uh, GPS satellites up in space, that have to tick at a slower rate to match the time of huh. the Earth because yeah. we are on Earth, we're experiencing more gravity than the satellite is. Yeah. So we are moving slower through time, not by much, like a millisecond, a couple milliseconds or so, but it's enough that our own satellites, we have to change in order to match the time dilation for Earth. Um, so these are, these are very real things that occur in physics and uh, brings up a lot of... Uh, thought experiments, especially yeah. when you're learning uh, physics. So, so I guess hypothetically, then, if there was, say, there was a baby born today on Earth, and mm-hmm. there was a baby that we sent out in space, and it went. I'm just picturing that <laughs> they yeah. just sent it out just, in space. And, it'll, it'll, yeah, it'll we need, <laughs> yeah, we need to find a giant black hole for you to be around, mm-hmm. and then they brought them back in, say, a decade or whatever, and mm-hmm. they had the two babies next to each other. Mm-hmm. One would be years in advance or whatever. Yes. So I don't even, understand how that works, though. You don't even have to put them around a black hole okay. because you can get the same time dilation just by the ship going really fast. Okay. If you have the ship going even a percentage uh, close to the speed of light. Uh-huh. So, like, I think, I think there's, a, there's a, a famous, they call it a paradox, but it's not yeah. really a paradox. Um, the twin paradox, where one twin gets shot out into space, they're on a rocket that's going uh-huh. 70, 80% the speed of light, okay. going a light year away, and then coming back. And that just that speed alone makes their time slow down, and one twin is now older than the other by a wide margin. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's very true. That, uh, that that just blows my mind. There's there's certain things, and I don't think I think that would probably have to listen to that like ten more times before it like fully sinks in, right? And, and like, yeah. there's like a certain point where like sometimes people will be like, "Well, why?" And it's like that's a frustrating thing that when you get deep enough into yeah. physics, it's like. Yeah. I don't know. That's how the universe works. Yeah. <laughs> we, you could always keep asking why to everything until yeah. you get to a point where that's what it is. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, you know, it's it's always like you're if when you ask enough questions, it's just we don't know. There's yeah. there's times where we just have to say we don't know, and the math that we have is just because that's what we have we've observed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for physicists, for uh, astron uh, astrophysicists, astronomers. Uh, the universe speaks to us in mathematics. Uh-huh. We observe how it goes, write it down, and translate it to other people. Uh-huh. And so we talk to the universe via math, and the universe talks to us more more aptly via math. Yeah. So we just have what the universe tells us, and we try to piece together the rest. Yeah. So I, I guess in relation to uh, time and distance uh, and age or whatever... I, I was reading something about how, you know, all the stars and things we see at the night are actually in the past because of how long it takes for the light to get to us for us to see it. Does that mean, and I, I 
can't remember exactly who said it, but somebody did say, in theory, if you could see far enough away, you could see basically the creation of the universe. Kind of, Is there yes. truth to that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so when... When you look up in the nighttime sky, most of the stuff that you see mm-hmm. is in is in our neighborhood, and it's in it's yeah. in our galaxy. Okay, and there are some stars like I believe it's uh, Aldebaran, no Alberio, no one of <laughs> there's a star <laughs> there's a star that's about six hundred light years away, uh-huh. and so when we look at that star, yeah. we are seeing it as it looked six hundred years ago. Yeah. Um, there's some older stars. It's one of the stars that I maybe named that um, when we look, it's an old star, and it's very possible that it could have died, but we won't know mm-hmm. um, until, like, if it died right now, we won't know for 600 years. Oh, wow. Um, but when you start seeing images of galaxies, far distant things, um, and we've looked pretty far, you start looking back billions of years in the past. Yeah. Our universe is about 14 billion years old. It's a rough number, changes all the time because we just discover things yeah, right. at different times. So about 14, 16 billion years old. If you look at the furthest thing we can look at, that we are looking how the universe looked yeah. after the Big Bang. Uh-huh. And then you get to something called the microwave background radiation. It is basically a wall because after the Big Bang occurred, there was a period of time where things were just so hot, so energetic, that um, energy, photons, things we use to be able to see what's around us, um, they could really only hop from one subatomic particle to another. Mm -hmm. And they're just bouncing back and forth. They're not going anywhere. But eventually the universe expanded enough, cooled off, that light could just go out, right? And that's pretty much, that's generally what that wall is. That's when that happened. So anything further back, we don't really know how we can look at that. Yeah. I don't know if we can look at that. Yeah. Um, but that's about, to my, my, to my knowledge, as far back as we can see. Yeah. Because that's when we started to be able to see. That's even crazy that that is a thing thing that is even possible to imagine yeah yeah it gets it gets pretty like uh it gets pretty fantastical at a certain (laughs) point that you're just like well the math says it i guess yeah (laughs) um that like yeah like it's these are these are facts of the universe that we don't often get to appreciate all that much because it's not something that we can really appreciate in our everyday life yeah. like when when was the last time you were like oh yeah i look at the microwave background all the time it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I, it's my favorite thing to look at it's, <laughs> yeah. so it's it's a, it's a good thing to stop and just ponder about every once in a while um yeah just how crazy it, I, it really is it really is and i, th- I think I, w- I was watching this documentary and it's not necessarily about black holes it's more you know just how crazy everything you can think of is uh, i think it's called infinity um, okay. But it's just the concept of infi- of infinity, and it like it'll take my breath away, and I'll start hyperventilating. Just the idea of infinity. And it, I don't remember you learn what about other was. infinities. Yeah, yeah. There are multiple infinities. Okay, wait. <laughs> so how does that work then? Um, it's it's a math thing. Okay, it's, it's, it's something that I looked at, and I'm like, all right, okay. I'll ta- I'll, yeah. I'll look at this later. This isn't part of me yeah, right man. now, but that's wild. I got slope intercept down. I that's like that, the ex- <laughs> expe- the extent of 
what I remember as of right now. Are you? You mentioned the James Webb Telescope a couple mm-hmm. times. Are you pretty familiar with that? I'm familiar enough with it to know some of the equipment on it. Um, I whenever like something big enough happens, it makes its way to me somehow. But I don't. I don't follow closely. Yeah. But um, I do know that it. Um, we did put it up there with the intent. Uh, one of the intents that I'm more excited about is looking at exoplanets. It has uh-huh. a much bigger resolution than Hubble did. It's it it has a bigger aperture, so it has yeah. more resolution. It can see things at finer detail, um, and it can be used to help kind of look at exoplanets a little bit better, find exoplanets a little bit better. Um, and that's that's one of the more exciting things to me for James Webb. But you know, we find exoplanets all the time. the The hard part is trying to figure out if it's a uh, what's the word? If it's a candidate for life, yeah. you know, of any form, um, and that gets that gets harder. But uh, I believe they do use, uh, intent on using James Webb for that um, through other processes that uh, we can we can probably talk about later. And yeah, is is that? <clears throat> I mean, is that expected to go farther than anywhere else humans have seen before? Then, or so so far, kind of like yes. we have we have other telescopes and other ways of looking pretty far. Uh-huh. Um, the reason that we still make other telescopes is not only because technology gets better and we can see finer details, but also these different telescopes see different things that other telescopes don't. Uh-huh. Um, so there was, I forget its name, it was another infrared telescope um, that we used for a while, and it still has uses because it sees a range that's different from the James Webb Space Telescope's range. Um, but the James Webb is just kind of another thing that some more major research labs are focusing on because it's like, it's new, it's better. It's it's yeah. better in certain ways that they're like, this would be better for us. Um, so that it's so like, I keep going back. It's, it's crazy and strange and extremely interesting just you know like this is stuff we're learning about the universe and it's like I, I feel like a lot when you see space it's almost like it's like a character in a movie like you see it there or you read about it but yeah. it's like you go out and you look and like that's it right there like you're part of it okay. so it, it's just insane learning more about it every day and just knowing like you're not ever going to know everything and you're you're you know there's always something kind of new to learn about it. And it's, yeah. it's, it's really fascinating for me. Um, so I, I, like I said, I'd like to watch documentaries. So I just watched something yeah. about the, the James Webb telescope going up and that was extremely fascinating. Um, I definitely recommend that as well. And I just watched something about Voyager too, I think. Oh yeah, no, they're fun. Um, let me ask, I, I guess about, um, Jeez, what was I going to ask? It had something to do with the telescope. You know what? I can't remember. Is there anything that you would like, like I didn't touch on that as somebody that knows about black holes that is, you know, pertinent information or something that people might be interested in? Um, or like a fun fact, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I something think, I didn't touch on. So one one thing is that um, when when you, uh, you know, message and we t- we're talking yeah, about yeah. like, uh, some of the things that you wanted to talk about, and we were like, "All right, let's talk about black holes." I was yeah. like, "All right, I'm gonna make sure I'm brushed up." Right. You know? And um, it's not a fun thing to admit for yeah. someone who does who 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 studies astronomy and stuff. Um, 
but you know, in college, I didn't really have a general relativity class, so I just kind of my my knowledge of black holes was pretty pretty surface level what we hear yeah. of all the time. And I found out that as as I was brushing up on black holes, a lot of what we're told about black holes is there's a lot of misconceptions, uh-huh. and the reality of it is just way wilder. Because okay. um, <laughs> it's like um, I talked about how like I call the white dwarfs and uh, neutron stars corpses of stars, but the black right. hole is a is a ghost more aptly because. We don't know if it still has mass. It's just a hole in space-time. Uh, it's not all black holes are super dense. Uh-huh. The black hole at the center of our da- galaxy, if you want to kind of talk about density in, in the classical sense, is only about as dense as water, uh-huh. right? So, okay. yeah, so it's it's... And another reality that you can fall in bigger more supermassive black holes you can fall in you can survive for a little while yeah you can personally see what happens inside of a black hole before you're ripped apart yeah so there's Um, different sizes there's different sizes of black holes yeah yeah. and um a lot of most of them are from stars Uh um supermassive black holes they weren't really stars um material you know i talked about how if you pack any mass into a space small enough, it will turn into a black hole. If we, the Schwarzschild radius for the Earth is about the width of a pencil. Okay. If you packed all of Earth down to the width of a pencil, it would turn into a black hole oh with the mass yeah. of the Earth. <laughs> it would probably evaporate very, very quickly, uh, but that it would it would be the width of a pencil. The sun, I think, somewhere between three, seven kilometers. Oh, uh, wow. three, yeah certain amount of six miles ish um so black holes like that it's it's anything can be a black hole and the supermassive black holes at the center of our galaxy are they weren't really stars it's just as these our galaxies were forming it's a lot of material gathering together and it's just a bunch of crushed material that just forms a black hole is it is it put sorry to interrupt is it it possible that like say on Earth in a lab, we could crush something and make a black hole. It would it would take a tremendous amount of energy. I don't I don't know if one I could see I don't Elon know Musk on board or something. Some crazy you know. There's going to be some kind of cartoony guy in the future where he's trying to create a black hole or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's it's the kind of thing. With it's a, like with I don't a know hairless if we could, cat, in a, but we yeah. probably shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's the it's the Jurassic Park. Like we try to. Well, I'm gonna butcher the the quote. It's like we we were so focused on if we could, we never questioned if we should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be the last thought for making a black hole on Earth. <laughs> um, and also the reality that inside a black hole. So we we exist in space time, right? Yes. That's that space time is the stage that the universe is set on, right? You can't have. You can't have an event in space happen without a time. And so we denote it as space-time. And there are certain mathematics that say that when you cross the event horizon of a black hole, there is no longer space-time. There is time-space. Okay. So in space-time where we exist, there are multiple directions forward backward up down left right but we can only go forward in time 
Okay. There's only one direction of time. When you get inside a black hole, space is so warped that these signs, these things that denote what is space and what is time, they flip. And now you have, as you're, it's theorized, because we've never been, yeah. but mathematically, <laughs> it's theorized that as if you fall directly into a black hole, there are paths that light can take that still takes them down into the black hole, but as you fall, you can see trapped light from the star that died to make that other things that fell into it in in enough of a way that you just intercept this light as you're falling down into it. So in a sense, that's seeing other directions of time, but there's only one direction to go now, mm-hmm. and that's just down. There's no longer out. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's, that's another misconception that a lot of people have that we ha- that, um, we had about black holes. And I, when I say we, um, you know, it's, it's me putting myself at that point with, uh, other people who just kind of get told about black holes in a very general sense. Um, light, there, there is ways that light can move to, or there are theoretical ways light can move to escape a black hole, but it requires light to do things that light can't do. Um, but because generally there's only, again, one direction in a black hole. You're just going straight down. Just as out here, there's only one direction of time. Uh-huh. And those things have switched places. Um, so there's no like, and this misconception is largely the idea that like you, light doesn't leave a black hole because the what's called an escape velocity is greater than the speed of light. And okay. that misconception is Newton's fault. <laughs> um, so uh, it, it, escape velocity is a very Newtonian uh, idea that in order to leave the Earth, right, you uh-huh. need a rocket with enough thrust to give you enough acceleration to get to a speed uh-huh. that counters the gravity of the Earth. Right. And you can calculate that for anything in the universe, and that's the escape velocity. The escape velocity for a black hole being the speed of light is a coincidence because the reality that light can't leave is because, again, there's one direction, Uh and there's no going back. There's no outward anymore. Uh And those are just really fun things that I'm like, it was was (laughs) mind-blowing that my whole understanding of black holes were just not... It, it 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 was a lot of misconception and generalization, and that's 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 the wonderful thing about being a science communicator and being a student of science. Uh, you never stop being a student of science. You always have opportunities to learn other things. And when I do shows, when I do any subject, I'm learning along with you guys too. Yeah. In some cases, so in fact, one of my my sign offs is like we're all learning things, everything together. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's it's. A special thing when you take the time to be like, I want to know more about this. And it's exciting when you're like, I didn't know these things. Yeah. I, I, these things were, these things are now foreign to me and I have so much more yeah. to learn and it's so exciting. Well, that's like um, one of the reasons I want to do this is because I've like seen things and you know, watch things or read things. And I think it's so interesting that I think if people weren't kind of intimidated by like, well, I'm not a science guy. So what do I know? Like, these are some things that 
if you can just listen and kind of, you know, maybe you can't wrap your mind around everything, but you can learn a couple things. And it's fascinating that, like, this is, we're part of it. We're in this world yeah. where all this stuff happens. It's it's so insane. Um, you were saying, uh, you know, for light to get out, it would have to behave as light, you know, can't. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to boost light? Would there ever be a way to, like, put, you know, as they say, light on steroids or something like that? Unfortunately, not that we're aware of, because there is a fixed speed in the universe. We've never seen anything go faster than this speed, and that is the the speed of light Mm -hmm. uh, in a vacuum. So now there's there's theoretical things. Now we're getting into the realm of like science fiction, and then being like, oh well, mathematics says it's technically plausible um, that if you, I think if I think it's maybe Star Trek, because also I. I grew up not being a suit like that much of a science nerd, yeah, yeah. so I like missed all those phases of <laughs> yeah. Star Star Trek and Star <laughs> yeah. Wars. Um, but I believe Star Trek was saying it, and it's called a tachyon, okay. and it's this idea of a particle that fa- travels faster than light. Now there are mediums uh-huh. where a particle can travel faster than the speed of, than than light in that medium. Because light slows down in different mediums. That's why when we say there's nothing faster than light in a vacuum, mm-hmm. right? So space being a vacuum, that what we see yeah, light right. traveling, that is the fastest speed uh-huh. that we've seen anything ever travel at. And But in different mediums, you can have certain particles travel faster than light. And for some reason, these particles give off... Uh, what was it called? It's... Uh, it was it, it was a Russian name, um, but a special radiation that the particle will give off because it's going faster than light in this medium. So this whole thing of like a tachyon being a particle that's faster than the speed of light in a vacuum, it's like, well, that would be a particle traveling backwards in time, and we can't observe that. Mm-hmm. But if they existed we should be able to see this radiation in places it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And we don't. Yeah. You know? So to our knowledge, there's only one thing that goes the speed of light, and okay. that's the light, and you can't make it go any faster. Right. Like, if you're in a train and you throw a ball, right? Okay, okay, the yeah. The speed of the train and how hard you throw the ball, those velocities combine, yeah. you know? And so its initial velocity is how hard you threw it plus the train. Mm-hmm. If you're in space on a space train yeah. and you have a laser pointer, yeah. The light's going to go the speed of light. It, it's not huh. combining with the train okay. because light is just as fast as you can go. Yeah, I was so. just going to ask if, like, during the supernova, when the, when the star explodes or whatever, is the force coming out with the light that doesn't boost it at all? It's just what it is. It's just what it is. Uh, the material that flies out goes fairly quickly, uh, but not yeah. not really close. Not all that close to the speed of light, and certainly doesn't boost light now. Um, I'm sure there's ways to test this obviously there has to be but how do you even test the speed of light like if it's the fastest thing how do we have something to test it and if there's light like i would assume like light from the sun or whatever is almost like a like how do you measure like a river kind of thing if it's like moving so right in terms of a river you know you can tell how fast a river is moving by you know you can you can stick something in and say this this water is coming past this point at a certain rate um for light i'm there might be a similar way. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think I have that answer. Right okay. Now. No, that's fine. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, no, it's, um, 
one thing I also always, you know, tell people like it's okay to say I don't know. Yeah, um, and I, I like that. Case, honestly, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I would much rather somebody say I don't know because then I believe everything else they say. <laughs> because if you just have an answer to everything, like that's I don't know. Right. When you say that, it makes everything else more legitimate. Uh, legitimate to me for some reason right um i guess let me ask like one or two more ask as many questions as you have time for um let's see well uh, i feel bad because i i don't have my like notes or anything in you know chronological order so i'm sure i'm jumping around all the place oh that's fine Um, i always do too when i talk about stuff i was gonna say but if you listen to this podcast at all that's that's, (laughs) i jump around regardless of what it is i'm surprised i've stayed this much on topic with this i i'm also surprised how well because like i go off on tangents all the time and i'll in shows i'll talk about something completely unrelated to the initial thing i'm like how did i get here (laughs) i need to get back to where i was yeah oh believe me i completely understand (laughs) okay so you were saying uh i guess eventually the entire universe will be all black holes Um, right yeah so will I know we'll all be long gone. Mm-hmm. Will the Earth hypothetically get sucked up by our sun exploding and creating a black hole eventually? Or is that sun even strong enough to pull the Earth? Or will it be some kind of gargantua that comes from, you know, Andromeda coming over? I don't know how things work. But I know you, know, you were saying, you know, things move. Could a black hole then get closer if that's moving? And would that eventually hypothetically take over so yeah black holes can move it's a it's a real reality in in a general case that you know we're moving we're moving through space everything is orbiting around the center of our galaxy we're moving around it takes millions and billions of years to get around our galaxy Mm -hmm. but um we move uh orbit around the black hole in our galaxy um they're you know, black holes are black, so they're hard to sometimes see coming if one ever came. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they move just like any other massive body, which is also a wild thing to think about because we also talk about it like a hole in space. Right. And, like, if you make a hole in a paper and you move the paper, it's moving with the hole. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, the hole is moving with the paper. Right. The hole is not moving itself. But in physics, in astronomy, there are kind of different facets, the different hats that things can end up wearing depending on how we need the math to check out, you know. Um, And it's, you know, it's not always like, uh, oh, I'm going to just say that it works this way because of it. It's because it, for some reason, also works that way, right? Light, one of the more famous uh, experiments is the double slit experiment. um, And that's where we were like, when we aren't looking at it in this special way, yeah. This light's behaving like a wave. It's in, it's interfering with right. itself and making patterns. But when we try to look at what's going on, now it's acting like a particle, yeah. right? And so you can talk about light depending on what kind of math you're doing, what you're trying to figure out, as if it were a wave or a particle. In reality, it is both. So um, that that changes based on it being observed or not. In terms of light, yeah. Yes. Um, we've, we, we, I've discussed this on this show probably three or four times, this test. And it's always been with like other people that are like, yeah, I'm sure this is how it works, probably. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to ask. So I guess how does – how can something change based on observation? Um, I don't really think yeah. that we know. It's, okay. it's, this, yeah. it's this duality that things sometimes have. Okay. And, and in this instance, it is called a, a – wave particle wave duality and um it's it's kind of because 
a better way to think about it is if you've you've seen have you seen that one image where it is drawn in a way that if you look at it one way it's a bunny and you look oh, at yeah. it another way it's a duck yes right and you could say like it's a bunny this this way and a yeah. duck this way but the reality is it just is yeah you know it's it is what it is yeah. and um what it is is uh, I don't know if it's a really an easy thing to comprehend, and there's a lot of other weird things that happen with uh, particles that okay, are also waves that um, that would also seem sci-fi and, and just unreal. Um, but you know, it's they just are. Mm-hmm. So it's. I guess I'm, I'm trying to find a way to wrap this up in a little bow, but it's they they just are. I, that, I can't go any further than that. It's just they are their own thing. That is uh, that's such a fair answer though for me. I, yeah. I I appreciate that, and I feel like that's honest. And I, yeah, it's one of those things. I'm sure I'm asking certain questions where it's like, I there's no way of really answering that. But um, it's just you know things pop in my head that totally um, yeah no, and they're me. fair questions, and they're they're questions that um, physicists. Probably also there's some physicists that are like, yeah. I want to know exactly what this is. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's not an easy answer for even people who study that kind yeah. of thing. Good. Um, <laughs> um, so you you did touch on uh, a spinning black hole earlier. Yeah. So what would create a black hole that spins versus is, I guess, stationary then? So it's kind of a weird concept for for me as well. So. Let's let's go back. Let's go back to stars dying, mm-hmm. right? Um, when you have any object spinning, um, and we see this on Earth with ballerinas, right? Mm-hmm. They they start spinning with their arms out, and when they bring yeah, it yeah, in, yeah, yeah. they go even faster. That is conservation of angular momentum. Now, when you have a star that's spinning, and they do spin pretty quickly, yeah. when you have the core dying. And it's shrinking. It in order to compensate for it shrinking, it spins faster. Uh-huh. And so, neutron stars. Um, these come from stars that are very, very massive and very, very large. That's another thing to, to keep in mind as well. Colloquially, you know, people will be like, "Oh, that thing's so massive!" Right? Yeah. Like to say it's big. But the term "massive" in astronomy has a has a very different connotation to it. It is the stuff that makes it up. Mm-hmm. Right, so it is the matter. It is massive. It has a lot of mass, and um, consequently, these stars are often pretty large in yeah. in volume. They are voluptuous, yeah. <laughs> but um, when they shrink down, they go from being multiple times, tens of times bigger than our own sun. Yeah, to Shrinking down the core of it, shrinking down to the size of Pittsburgh. Oh wow! And so they are spinning insanely fast. Um, and is it is it similar to like say like a whirlpool or when you put like the coin in the the penny thing that spins? Like it starts kind of slow, but when it gets smaller to the middle, it starts spinning a lot faster. Or is that? completely different that's a good analogy for something completely okay, different. okay. <laughs> <laughs> can't, um, you can't win them all it is a good analogy for gravity itself but yeah. that is if we okay. get to that point yeah. during this show yeah. uh it is a good analogy but it is it is it is it is pretty directly it is yeah. pretty analogous to the ballerina yeah okay um and 
what were what were we talking about? What was the point? Of that? <laughs> but um, um, oh, spinning black holes. So, um, oh, right. Yes. Okay. So that's why I write every single word <laughs> I need down. <laughs> um. So yeah, yeah, yes. So um, you know, as as those stars are dying, they end up spinning faster because they are collapsing. Yeah. Um. Now, an event horizon being. It's not even a thing, right? Mm-hmm. A black hole isn't even a thing. It's it's better to think of the event horizon as a surface of space time itself, because once you pass that point, there, you know, again, space time doesn't exist. Events don't happen anymore. It's that is the event horizon is the last place events will take place, mm-hmm. um, because space and time start mathematically acting very very differently. Um, so it's even hard for me to conceptualize that this surface that we think about is spinning. Um, I don't personally know if, because it's not really something that we can properly measure in my mind, Mm -hmm. a spinning black hole. Um, but mathematically they can spin and mathematically they do drag space time along with them and that can affect orbit. So we could probably study spins of black holes in that way. Mm-hmm. We would look, kind of look at what a non-spinning black hole, how objects would behave around that, mm-hmm. and then look at how objects are behaving around other black holes, and we can tell if they're spinning mm-hmm. due to that measure um, because they will act differently. Like um, the reason that Kipthorne said that the planet around Gargantua is plausible at that distance to make that time dilation is because since the black hole is spinning so rapidly, things can orbit closer to it mm-hmm. because you can think of it as space-time tugging it along because the black hole is tugging space-time. Mm-hmm. And if something were to orbit in the opposite direction, it would have to go even faster than that or it will end up slowing down because, again, you can think of the black hole as dragging space and space as pulling on the object and it would slow down the orbit and fall into the black hole. So in that sense, we can um, tell if a black hole is spinning by those behaviors, theoretically. I personally don't know um, if people have studied things like that, because before imaging a black hole, we would be like, hey, this star's not this star is orbiting nothing, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's going in a circle, uh, yeah, and yeah. there's nothing there. <laughs> so... Um, so while that was the first time we imaged a black hole, there were likely instances where we saw black holes because of how it affects the space around it. Um, so if we did notice spinning black holes, it would be because of how other objects affect them. Now, how does a spinning black hole conceptually look since it's a surface of space-time? It might not have a singularity. It might not have mass anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's... It's it's black holes are anomalous. They're mm-hmm. they they very much go against what we would think as um like rational, reasonable. What what we would find intuitive is the word I was yeah. looking for. Um they are very non intuitive objects, especially once you enter inside and just their existence in general and how we should or shouldn't think about black holes. Mm-hmm. Um they're just really wild objects that are very hard to study. Yeah. Um, and I 
would imagine a lot of studying of black holes ends up being mathematical because of that reason. Yeah. Um, but the math hole, the math, the math hole, the, <laughs> <Yeah>. math, <laughs> the math checks out on yeah. a lot of observations we've made. Um, a lot of them, um, you know, Einstein did a lot with general and special relativity, which is where we get a lot of how we think of gravity uh, beyond Newtonian ideas. Cause in, in high school, you'll, uh, we end up teaching kids like Newtonian gravity, like this object has a mass, this object has mass, so they meet each other. They are attracted to each other. And it checks out enough mm-hmm. to be the introduction to what gravity is. Um, but as you looked further out, Newtonian's, Newton's uh, math started to kind of be like, well, this isn't really working. We have to start changing things in order yeah. to make it work. Um Einstein came along and it was like, hey, maybe these things, maybe gravity isn't a force. Maybe it's just what we call a fictitious force. Like um, an example of a fictitious force is a centrifugal force, right? So when you turn really sharply in a car and you feel yourself yeah, yeah, yeah. to the right. other side of the car, that's not a force. That's your body wanting to go straight as the car turns, uh-huh. right? Um, and so we call that a fictitious force because... It's different things at play, but from your reference point, it seems like the car yeah, is pulling right. you that way. Right. And so because Einstein says that mass affects space-time, and it warps space-time so that things end up following the curve that this other massive object makes, um, that math checked out for really massive objects. It checked out for a lot of things. It checked out for why light gets bent with gravity. And when you get up to like college and graduate level gravity, that's what you end up focusing on because it works so well. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's everything, everything that we know about gravity, which is just as strange to us to think about because what is what is space time conceptually and like i call it the stage that the universe is set on and that's the best i can do yeah (laughs) personally because it's it's not the universe it's where the universe is yeah and it's how things like things affect this this anomalous thing that then affects other things so it's like it's there it's doing stuff but we don't really know. We can only yeah. say like this is mathematically what we see it doing. Yeah. Um, so how does a black hole spin? I don't know, but the math yeah. checks out. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. um, and it, and it obviously affects these other, these other yeah. objects. So it's, it's not like it's, it's not, yeah. it just is. Does, does the spinning black hole have more power where it comes like to, I mean, does, do the black holes actually suck it in? Like, do they take it in? Or is it just when a thing passes the event horizon, then it does? There are... So, the black holes don't suck things any more than our sun sucks things in, right? Okay. So, it's another massive body. If you took... If, if you played God for a moment, and you have a black hole with the same technical mass as our sun, mm-hmm. and you pull out our sun and put the black hole there... Visually, like, gravitationally, nothing would change. Oh, okay. All the planets would continue to orbit the same exact way they did because it is just considered another massive object in space that has gravity based on the star that formed it. That Um, makes sense. Now, they do end up 
being weirder than that when you get closer to the event yeah. horizon. Um, and that's why Kipthorne needed a spinning black hole because that yeah. alters that ability. But um, once you get close enough to an event horizon, there is no more what's called a stable orbit. The mm-hmm. Earth is in largely what we call a stable orbit because it's been orbiting our sun. It's been staying in in roughly the same orbit and it always has, and it will for a very long time. So we consider it stable. There are stable orbits around the black hole. Like I said, if you replace the sun with it, but as you get closer, there's, there starts becoming no more stable orbits and Uh you will just fall in. Um, so things get weird the closer you get, yeah. but um, if you are far enough out of the black hole in terms of like, um, like the moon orbiting the Earth or the yeah. Earth orbiting the Sun, it's practically not different at all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't know if there was a chance like okay I can't tell if it's spinning or if the mass of this this I guess stagnant maybe that's not the right word but the one that's not moving not right. spinning right right, right. um. Maybe the mass is like how can you tell it's okay? This one isn't spinning, and the mass is this, or this one is spinning, and the mass is different. Could you ever mix them up based on? Um, I mean, if it's by itself, like this kind of spins. I think I, I think I know what you're saying. I think I think you're asking. Um, in the absence of other objects, how do we know if something is, if a black hole is spinning or not? Right. Or if it's just, like, is, is I guess, is the mass of the black hole the same if it's spinning or if it's not spinning? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then it's spinning from that point. Does that have any effect? Yes. That's okay. That's the, what's called um, frame dragging. Okay. Um, and that's that idea that it drags space time along with it, and mm-hmm. then that affects other things. Now... Um, gargantua having to spin so fast, mm-hmm. it would end up looking very egg shaped. Okay, uh, it yeah, would be yeah. oblonged, and you would notice that yeah. if you had something behind it, yeah. and you're like, "Wow, this is kind of egg shaped." I got you. Um, now Going back, you, that's the ballerina that's, analogy. Yes, I, yeah. I picture it now. See, yeah, okay, kind, kind of. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's also kind of a little different because it's kind of like if you had like a chain necklace, yeah. right, and you just started spinning it. Uh-huh. And um, in a certain way that, like, the middle part of the necklace is kind of going around, almost making a, a sphere kind of thing. Yeah. And you start spinning it faster. Yeah. The necklace kind of rises right, and it makes right. it more thing. That's that's kind of that oh, principle. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, but again, I, I, you wouldn't really, I wouldn't imagine you finding a black hole spinning that fast. Yeah, right. Um, but if you, I guess if you had sensitive enough stuff and, yeah. and we got really good at looking at black holes, we would start noticing if it was perfectly symmetrical, meaning that little to no spin or uh, if it's yeah, more yeah, 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 yeah. That would make sense. Making it have spin. Oh, okay. Um, and that's, that's the same thing with stars. When we see oblong shaped stars, we're like, wow, that thing's fucking booking it. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, okay. Then let me ask you, this is probably my last one because I don't know how long everybody who listens attention span is. And I really yeah, no, that's, that's fair. Yeah. I, I, I can I talk all to, day, but yeah, I, I have to shorten my shit sometimes <laughs> too, because I have to cut myself yeah. off at an hour because I'm like, you people have to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, as you're saying, if it's spinning fast enough, it gets more oblong, it becomes, like, oval. Is yeah. Could it spin so fast that it almost becomes into just, like, a line? That's super fun, because yes. Okay. But not a line. Yeah. It would just, the... Or close. The, yeah. Mathematically, right. the event horizon would just blow apart. Uh-huh. And you would be left with, theoretically, <laughs> because we've never seen it. Yeah. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know if it has a singularity. 
But mathematically, we say if a black hole were to spin so fast, <laughs> yeah. it would the event horizon would just blast, just rip apart, and you would be left with a naked singularity. Now, what that looks like, <laughs> yeah. I have no clue. Okay. What the effects of that is, I have no idea. Yeah, that's... <laughs> but that's that's what that's what uh, people who who are much much better at math than yeah. I am. Uh, that's that's the idea that they say. And um, but again, this is that's kind of like thought experiments and in physics, where like does this check out? And we take things to extremes mm-hmm. and to see if the math still works. Yeah. and they say that. If a black hole spins voraciously enough, it will just blow apart the event horizon. Wow, that's fascinating. And and uh, like some of the things where you're like, we don't know. I think that's very exciting too because like you don't kind of want to know all the answers. I don't think I don't know. Right. It, it no, gives it, you something to keep looking for. Yeah, and and keep kind of getting up and uh, you know it's exciting every day. There was a time before particle physics, mm-hmm. the field of particle physics, where. Uh, physicists were like, we got it all figured yeah, out. Yeah, it's yeah. done. Everyone close <laughs> yeah. up, go home. Physics yeah. is canceled. It's, yeah. And then we found particle physics, and yeah. it's like, holy shit, no. Yeah. There's yeah. so much stuff that yeah. we're going to be busy till we die. Yeah. And and that's the fun thing about it, because um, like I love I love learning as much as I can, because mm-hmm. I'm never going to run out of things that I have yeah. to learn about. Yeah. And no matter how much we know, there is more to know. Yeah. Um, and, you know. Like those, uh, as an example of those physicists before the field of particle phys- physics, they didn't know what they don't know. Yeah. And when they found particle physics, they were like, wow, we were so wrong. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, the fun is just learning is, is at least for me, you know, yeah, everyone's yeah, right. different. Learning as much as, as I can. And um, uh, for a while I wanted to go into research and I, I'm not convinced that I don't want yeah. to. Um, but I get a lot of enjoyment of out of learning as much as I can and then sharing it with people, uh, yeah. being a bridge between um, the problem with exclusivity in science, people uh-huh. feeling like they can't yeah. participate in right. science or learn about these more complicated things yeah. because they're not scientists. And I'm like, no, yeah. I can I can tell you about these things and we can learn together without me telling you any right. of the math. I'll learn the math so you don't have yeah, to. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, that's exactly um, what I was looking for. Yeah. It's, it's somebody for me to, you know, uh, you know, get scientific, but probably on the edge of sci-fi more often than not, and see what's <laughs> what's plausible and what's not. Right, and right. just learn. Like, I would have never known all this about black holes. I've never heard about uh, some of these things. Like, if I watch a black hole documentary... If you've seen one or two, like it's a lot of the same things over and over again, and they get right. to a certain level, and then to go more than that, you really have to, uh, you know, do your own research or go to school for it. And yeah. I, 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 I like talking to somebody. I remember yeah. when I talk to somebody. Right. If I'm in person, I hear it. If I read a book, I will read a pe- page and be like, I don't remember what I just read. For like my shows, yeah. especially with harder topics, I will go to my friends who know nothing about science, mm-hmm. and I will try to teach them yeah. it. And if and if they're like, "This is great," yeah. then I'm like, "All right, I've hit it." We were talking with a friend of hers last night, and uh, by, when we were done, he was like, "Holy shit! I feel like I learned way more than yeah. I learned in science class." <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. like, "That's great!" And you know, to plug our own shit. Yeah, no, I was um, just gonna ask, where can everybody <laughs> find you? Because I, like I said, I don't know what people's uh, attention span are. Yeah, but hopefully yeah. after this one, you know, hopefully, you know. Yeah, no, I'd I'd love to come back and yeah. talk to you about all those other this, subjects. I, they're they're I'm, all amazing. I'm giddy. Uh, this is how excited I get about things like yeah. this because 
more often, more often than I care to admit, I will talk about this stuff to people, and they're like, "Okay, are you done talking yet? Nobody cares." <laughs> That's my, how my friends are. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you know, people are like, "Oh, I'm so excited to talk to this person," yeah. and then like people who have been around me forever are like, "Can you shut up?" This? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, yeah where can everyone whole, find you? That whole talking, yeah. being able to talk to someone. When we, right now, we are working on bringing laser shows to our alma mater, the uh, university that we graduated mm-hmm. from, Clarion. Um, we have a planetarium there, a beautiful planetarium. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be doing the laser shows there, so lasers and lights to different yeah. bands and music uh-huh. and, um, in order to fund the planetarium to make more stuff. Yeah. Now, um, because of that, the stuff on our website, we have we have a bunch of stuff that people yeah. can watch right now. It's again flyscience.net. Uh-huh. We'll tag uh, that and when I post everything I'll, awesome. I'll put the the link. And they'll go to the streams tab and they can see all of our past streams. But uh-huh. when we were more actively doing it, our whole thing was we want them to be live shows because mm-hmm. I want people to interrupt me right. and ask me to yeah. clarify something. Oh, because yeah. like, you know, I've had Going going through high school, YouTube was my friend, and yeah, Google yeah. was my friend, and it was sad. After after a certain level of physics, you stop being able to find stuff on Google, yeah, so and yeah, you, yeah. And you end up finding these uh, videos of of uh, Indian teachers teaching you the thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you have to really dig for it. But um, I you know I'd still sometimes they wouldn't answer what I need, and then yeah. there's nothing else. Right. So um, that's that's the whole thing. I love being able to talk directly to people. Yeah. Because I can just keep going until they get it. Yeah. Um, so flyscience.net, uh, whenever we start doing shows again, um, we try to make them live shows so people yeah. can ask. Also on the website, we have different sections. We have a section where people can send in questions. Mm-hmm. And um, if, you know, if they throw in their email on it, um, don't have to put your name if you don't yeah. want to. Uh, I can email you back answers. And if you're just, you know, People feel like you can't ask questions because, yeah. like, in school, it's like, if you don't know an yeah. answer, you get an F, yeah. right? So it's like, <laughs> you can't not know something, yeah. but you don't, you can't know everything. Yeah. But if you're, if, if you're still in that camp and you're still feeling, you know, a little shy about yeah. wanting to ask question, we, next to it, there's an anonymous one. Oh, and then okay. we'll yeah, post yeah. it either on the website or the Facebook page. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a bunch of different ways they can do it depending on their comfort level. So absolutely. That's, I, I love it. I like that you're being very, uh, inclusive of anybody who wants to learn about science. Yeah. Like I said, um, it's, it's fascinating to me. I can't say it enough, but I, I would like to thank you very much for coming on. I'd love to yeah. have you back. I got to find another topic or maybe I'll see something that you're interested in, um, and go from there. But I'm fascinated with the black holes and, and everything. I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm like, I'm pumped up, ready to go. I'm going to go read something now. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you so much. I appreciate you coming out here and and talking to you. And it's, uh, you're very entertaining. You're very fascinating. And it was very easy for me to digest. So that means the world to me. Thank you very much. That's what I strive for. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Hopefully I can be the voice of the people. And like I said before, I'm not afraid of asking the stupid question. I, typically has dumb questions in general and so any yeah. of the ones on here are probably smarter than half the ones i have on the normal show so yeah. but also no such thing as a stupid question yeah. everything's a super valid question yeah. because people have different knowledge levels so. Mm-hmm. So. absolutely so once again thank you so much absolutely. and uh thank you yeah we'll tag you in this thanks right. i'm gonna say is i'm so happy yeah that i was allowed to be part of your day thanks for listening
Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the show to catch the latest episodes and share with your friends. We can't promise not to embarrass you. And if you just can't get enough, follow us on Instagram at Poor Man's Podcast 412, Twitter at Poor Man's Pod 412, and Facebook. This is Pittsburgh's own Poor Man's Podcast signing off. See you next week. In my opinion, that sucked. Woo! Woo! Four Main Podcast, the best <laughs> podcast in Pittsburgh. Straight cash, homie.